0: I love Christmas music, that was awesome, thank you so much, so cool, I think you should do that again for Christmas Eve, yeah, I think, would we hold that against them if they did that again at Christmas Eve, that was awesome, tremendous, good morning, good morning. do you ever ask questions of a text in scripture that you've read? I know we weren't supposed to do that in Immerse Messiah, right? We had to keep pushing, pushing, pushing. But one of the things I like to do is, especially on familiar passages of Scripture, I like to ask different questions of the text. Sometimes they can be a little bit rabbit trailish ish and, and not have a lot of value. For example, when I asked in this one passage from the Apostle Paul, I wonder how many times he uses the word, the that wasn't very significant the answer to that no i just i never asked that but there there are some questions sometimes i ask that really don't have significance but there's other times that i'll ask a question and there's actually a surprising amount of fruitfulness And transformation that comes. And we're going to do that this morning with a very familiar passage of scripture. It's a part of the Christmas story found in the gospel of Luke chapter 2. Would you turn there with me? And it is the story of where the angels, um, uh, Mary and Joseph, uh, they travel to Bethlehem And Jesus is born and they're in Bethlehem. He's in the manger and then there's uh, shepherds nearby and the host of heaven appears to the shepherds and they go check it out and then they become the testimony of Christ's birth. And here's the question I asked, not knowing if it would lead to significant places or not, is why shepherds? Is there any significance to that? Why not another profession like farmers or fishermen or carpenters? Right? I think the Bethlehem carpenters would have been a neat clan to, uh, to really appear to. Why not them? Why not politicians? Well, we know why not politicians. God can only go so long. But why shepherds? Is that is there any significance? In that. Now, the, the text doesn't necessarily address that question, but as I began to pursue that, I was actually profoundly ministered to from this text in a fresh way. And I've been hoping and praying that, that God would profoundly minister to you as we wrestle through is there significance to why it was shepherds? So we're going to read, starting Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8 with that question. Luke 2, verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. a creative video or one-man video to help you enter into the story and think about this question. Go.
1: <laughs> all right, listen up, boys. Y'all want to be good sheep herders all, don't you? Two things need to know. Number one, stay awake. And number two, you ask questions. You know, Benji, Benji, you don't have to ask questions now, all right? No, well, I mean, you can ask a question. I mean, you know, if something don't look right or, you know, if you've got a strange feeling in your gut, then yeah, ask a question. For example, uh, that, that night when all those angels visited, yeah, well, everyone else was asleep. Not me, I was awake, just like my daddy taught me. Darn right I'm bragging. That's what separates men from the boys, son. So like I said, I was sitting there by the campfire, wide awake, and I just got this flutter in my gut. Like you know something's going to happen, like something big's going to happen, but you just don't know what it is, you know? I think that's it. You just don't know what you don't know. But I walk over that rise, and then bingo. I'm looking at the biggest, scariest angel I ever did see. Not that I ever saw one, you know. And you know what the first thing out of that angel's mouth was? Don't be afraid. Too late. And then that angel, just got this nice look on his face. He said, "Uh, I've got a message to tell you. And then the bagel angel said, a baby got born tonight. And he's going to save the world. And then a mess of them angels came around. And they were saying, glory to God. Glory to God in the highest. That's what they just kept saying. And then they was gone. Well, I don't need to tell you that we don't get invitations like that, you know, being crusty old sheep and all. But we went to Bethlehem and I met that mama and that baby boy. I think they were a little shocked to see us. But we told them about the angels and all. I think that tickled her pink. And then we all just kind of stood there just making sure everything was okay. Kind of like when a new lamb is born. And about the time you figured out everything's going to be fine, you just settle in. And you just kind of take in the whole thing. That's what we were doing. But this was different. Because underneath that big bright star. We was watching the world saving baby. And we got to brag on him a bit. And Benji, this old soul, it's been awake ever since.
0: doubt in my mind that there was a profound work in the lives and the souls of the shepherds uh, in that moment. would have that been just amazing, mind-blowing, incredible um, that they got to experience that and be a part of that? Now, it could be that they just happened to be the ones that were outside, right? And the uh, angels needed a, a big landscape in, in, in to appear to them. We, we don't know. Um, but let me see if I can uh, bring a little bit of possible significance of why shepherds to this. If you look at verse 11 in the story, it says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. You know, there is a significance of the location of where Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Most of you probably have heard a little bit of that significance. Messiah means anointed one. And that was uh, like King David. The Messiah would be anointed king. And David was really the the golden age of Israel, their king. And he was going to come like him and, and be like him in that sense is he was born king and David was from Bethlehem it was a city of David and began to think you know David was the considered the best king but do you know what David was prior to being king he was a carpenter no he wasn't a carpenter <laughs> he was a shepherd and where was he a shepherd in his own city. What's his city? What? Bethlehem. That there's a good chance that, that the shepherds that the angels appeared to were, were near or in perhaps the, the similar fields that David at one time was a shepherd. Now, it's a, a quaint story back in 1 Samuel where where David was chosen to be king. And I think that story has significance for us. Um, It it was the prophet Samuel, and God told him to go fill his horn with oil, anoint, he's gonna anoint the king, and he sends him to Bethlehem, and he says, I'm gonna anoint king of one of the sons of Jesse. Jesse had several sons. And Samuel walks in, and he sees one son, and he must have really been big and brawny and kingish right? And Samuel goes, that has got to be the one. And God says, no, that's not. And he says an interesting thing. He says, um, the Lord does not look, do not consider his appearance or his height. You see, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He's right that that story, that ancient story of the choice. God is saying, no, it matters to me the kind of king that he will be. This is a crucial element. And then in fact, Jesse had his seven sons go before Samuel the prophet and God kept saying, nope, nope, not the one, nope, not the one. And then all the sons went there. And Samuel's like, is that all you got? Just these seven? And you know what Jesse says? He says, well, I... There, there is the youngest, but he's out tending sheep. That's what he was doing. So they bring David in and they anoint David. And really the statement of First Samuel, which uh, is significant for us in this story, is that the statement of First Samuel is God was saying, I want a particular king for my people. I want a king who's not going to be like other kings in the world. I want a king who's going to be, in fact, they were known as a shepherd's king. That there would be this sense of uh, the, the compassion, the gentleness, the caring nature of a shepherd that he has or she has for a sheep. that that the king would not rule over in harsh terms, but it would be a statement that he was saying, I am looking for a king in David who would be that shepherd king who would really love the people that he leads. I think that's true of Jesus as well. This connection, it's a statement of the kind of king the kind of Messiah that Jesus wants to be for you and for me. Now it gets a little bit deeper, in fact, because I think it's not only a statement of the the kind of, of king. Ezekiel 37, 24 would say this, talking about the Messiah, but references David, my servant David will be king over them and they will all have one shepherd so really God is defining the the king role in shepherding terms and then David of course we know would become king and then David would write a psalm that most of you are familiar with it's probably the most famous psalm it's often read in funerals or different places um Do you know the psalm I'm talking about? Psalm 23. What does David say? He's talking about who God is to him. He's talking about the Father's heart in relation to him. And he says, the Lord is my, unfortunately not carpenter, And listen, I I won't read the whole psalm, just the the opening verses that many of you know so well. And and, and again, keep in mind, this is who the father is to David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, or NIV says, I lack nothing. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. That the statement that David had discovered, this shepherd king, he not only learned the kind of king that that God was wanting him to be to his people. That was not only a statement of the kind of Messiah that God would want to you and I, but he was saying, this is who God, this is at the center of God's heart. He wants to refresh our souls. He wants to guide our paths. He wants us to lead us in in this busy, hectic, challenging world. He wants to be the source of restoration and refreshment. And I thought, this, this begs the question, is that who the Lord is being to me right now? In this Advent season, which seems to push away from the idea of a God who's shepherding our soul and leading us by right streams of, of water to renew us. We were praying this morning and one of the folks prayed for all those who are hectic and busy and were shopping yesterday and all of those things. And I thought, yeah, this is who God, this is at his heart. He, he, he is our king, absolutely. He longs to be our shepherd. Are we allowing him to lead us by those tranquil waters? I think part of the answer, not not all of the answer, but part of the answer of why did he choose shepherds is because the, the shepherds were a statement of the Father's heart. The shepherds were a statement of who he wanted Jesus to be, who he wants to be to us, especially in the moments that we're, we're hectic and busy and running and pushing, especially in the moments of sadness and sorrow, which again, the Advent season is oftentimes that season for many of us, that we wrestle through the folks that we've lost. We wrestle through the difficult time. Are we allowing the Lord? Are we inviting the Father to renew and restore our souls as a shepherd does? Part of the answer. I think another part is found in verse 14. Look at verse 14. That's where in the words of the heavenly host, they cry out, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I think part of the idea of God as shepherd includes and is related to this idea of peace and I would say this idea of voice. This idea he wants to bring us to this place of peace Go to the next slide, Natalie, of peace and of voice. Next one. Um, and the reason I say that is because you know that Jesus would grow up, of course, and he would identify himself in um, a couple of different ways. He would say, um, I am the bread of life. He would say, I am the light of the world. And he would say also, I am the good shepherd. He would find part of his identity in that call, in the heart of the father. And he would go on. He would say, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. I know my sheep and my sheep know me that in that, not just in a knowledge sense, but in an experiential sense, in a personal sense, just as the father knows me and I know the father. So this is not a casual knowing. This is not a knowing with some distance. He's saying, as I know the father, that's how I will know my sheep personally. And then he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, laying down life, of course we know he's, he's talking about the cross. But I want you to think about for a moment the idea of peace, how the angels announced a peace in this place. And a biblical sense, we've talked about this before, a biblical sense of peace is not simply the absence of conflict, but the the biblical concept of peace is far deeper. And in fact, at the heart of it is peace with God. That's the heart of it is peace with God. It includes peace with one another and peace in relationship and peace in the world. All of that sense, it's a full meaning, but at the heart of that biblical sense of peace is peace with God. And there is an understanding that part of our, you could call it universal need or human condition is that we do not at our own hearts have that peace with God that we're born into this idea that we are all lost in, in the profoundest sense of the world word that we are lost and separated from our creator Isaiah says this we all like sheep see the connection there we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him, Messiah, the iniquity of us all. He's saying that each one of us, this is universal, this is part of what it means to be human, is that because of this fallen and broken world, we are wandering. We are born lost in the spiritual sense, in the deepest sense. We're out somewhere in the fields not in the true pasture that we've been called to. And when Jesus says, I've come to be the good shepherd, he means that that there is a invitation that I will, we're lost because of our sin, because of our brokenness. And the good shepherd takes care of the reason why we're lost and then invites us into that place of fellowship, of knowing God in that profound sense. And he would say, and I'll be the voice. It will be my shepherd's voice that I'll remove the barrier and I'll invite them into pasture. I'll play that role. Some of you have heard stories about um, that, I, I'm not a sheep herder, but so I just read about it, but the, the idea that, that sheep learn the individual voice of their shepherd. Do you know that? Like in places like the Middle East, Palestine, you, you'll have shepherds that they'll all water together and all that, you can have four different herds Four different shepherds and they're all mingled together. But when it's time to go, they recognize the shepherd's voice or whistle or whatever and they're drawn out. I was reading a story about cows. I thought it was interesting. You can have shepherds of cows. Cow shepherds. And uh, this story is from Uganda. And apparently there's still a major problem in Uganda um, with uh, cattle rustling. And, and so they, they you know, steal cattle and so forth. And the army is responsible for catching uh, those and then returning the, the cattle to their owner. But the difficulty is, is who is the rightful owner of all these uh, cattle. And then there was a story uh, on BBC that talked about the army had gathered these folks and this little old woman from a a village um, uh, approached the uh, cattle. She was claiming that um, she had a portion of her cattle stolen. And it says, they watched the video, remarkable thing happened. She called her cows by name and to the amusement of the soldiers, as each cow heard her voice, it lifted its head and then followed her. As far as the army was concerned, it was a strong enough proof of the ownership as one could find. And I thought, how significant is that for us? That Jesus comes as the good shepherd and he says, I'll be the voice. And for those of you, I want you to know my voice. I was thinking, this Advent season Am I listening for his voice in this moment, in this time? Am I letting the shepherd's voice be the primary voice in this moment? I, I think we have a lot of voices in the world, right? There's a lot of voices. From, uh, and sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not so good. Sometimes they're relative voices. Sometimes they're commercial and commercialism voices. Sometimes they're our own voice. And the question is, what what is the voice that we're listening to in this moment? Are, Are we, as part of our Advent celebration and preparation, are we too busy to hear any voice or to discern his voice? I'm with you in the Advent season. I'm have the busyness and the and the gift shopping and the presence and sadness there. That's part of my experience of, of Advent each year, all, all of that. I was thinking, how desperately do I need to be paying attention to Jesus' voice, the voice of the Good Shepherd, especially in this season, especially in this moment, that I can allow my soul to be overwhelmed or weary or sad or tired? Am I creating space to allow His voice to fill my soul and renew my soul? I think part of the answer of why shepherds is because also we're all lost and wandering that we we all like sheep and, and not just salvation that that is I think salvation is is crucial in that if you've never heard the shepherd's voice and received Christ Jesus as your savior, I would love to connect with you. I'd love to have coffee and talk about what that looks like. But I'm also talking about in the day to day, I think there's a tendency that our soul wanders on a regular basis. Would you agree with me or am I the only broken one that just, that I wrestle with the wandering thoughts the wandering soul, and so easily, I hate to admit it, I can wander from the presence of my good shepherd. And so part of the challenge is asking the question, how do I wander back? How do I listen for his voice? How do I return to to that place. There's a a final reason that I thought of, which is not quite as straightforward. Talking about the universal need, Jesus would say in Matthew 9, 36, he'd say this, then he said to his disciples, no, no, Uh, Matthew 9 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He saw the crowd. Right after that, listen to what he says. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I want to suggest to you that perhaps they weren't simply just shepherds because of the heart of the Father. I think crucial and significant, he wants to be our Lord and our shepherd. I want to suggest to you that he he chose shepherds not just because our universal need and our lostness, but also because he's inviting us to the ministry of shepherding others. Not as straightforward, I see you pondering, but that perhaps part of our lives Part of our call is found in this idea of God's heart is a shepherding heart, that Jesus came as a shepherd. King, that Jesus endows the ministry of his church and his people with this idea that we're called to play this role to the world, that the world is lost, that the world is wandering, that that's the right harvest. And he's saying, are you, would you be willing to join me in the ministry of shepherding in this moment my thought went to our purpose and calling that i be, believe profoundly that he has a purpose and calling for each of us that's part of the meaning of this life he endows us with gifts with calling we're meant to find that and i thought of peter when peter he betrays jesus you know the story and there's profound sadness. Then Jesus is resurrected, Peter still deeply sad, and there's a moment where he reinstates Peter. And he repeats um, a question three times, roughly the same question, and then a command roughly three times. And I'll just read one of you the times. It says John, it's from John 21. 16, again Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? That relationship, reestablishing that personal relationship, that knowing, that closeness with Christ and with the Father. He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. There's a calling there, one of the, the callings, not just of Peter, but I would say, as us as Christians, that there's this calling that the world is wandering. The, the world is in desperate need of that gentle, loving shepherd. And this incredible invitation to share in the ministry of Christ, to share in the ministry of the church. And I'm not meaning just pastors um, or even just leaders. Uh, Tony Dungy, some of you recognize the name. He's uh, probably my my favorite all-time coach Within the NFL, he's known as a as a very strong Christian, and uh, for a long time he was passed over, especially for the head coaching job within the NFL. You know why he was passed over? Because he was such a nice guy. His his demeanor was so kind and so gentle, and he he admitted that he was uh, passed over several times. Finally, he was given an opportunity um, uh, to coach first with Tampa Bay, and then with the Colts, and eventually he won the Super Bowl with the Indianapolis Colts. Unfortunately, it was over the Chicago Bears. (laughs) That almost took him out of the category of my favorite coaches in the NFL, and I almost didn't share the story, but I decided to anyways, and so they were interviewing him, and uh, this was 2007, they won the Super Bowl, and uh, he became the first African-American coach to win the Super Bowl, and he said this, um, there's are those who said we wouldn't win the big one because I wasn't tough enough on the players, Dungy said. But I see my job as a coach like a shepherd. So I had to read this. (laughs) You know where you need your flock to go and your job is to get them there. You don't see shepherds yelling and shouting at their sheep. They know that they respond best to a gentle touch. That's my approach. And I believe that I've proven it works. Tony Dunging is known as probably the game's most humble and gentle champions, in NFL. And that really had that sense of, am I living that ministry out as a pastor? Does my pastoring reflect that? But then I want to ask you that question. I think of in school, right? Whether college or high school or... Is there students around you that are lost and lonely? And they would love to have that shepherding touch from a friend or maybe even from a stranger, right? Just heard a a story of... um, the contemplation of being so sad, high school student contemplating taking their life, could you in your school be that one who shares in the, the heart of the Father, the call of Jesus to shepherd others? What about at work in this time, in the season of Christmas? where there's gifts and there are packages, is there that one person that the loneliness is deepest in this moment and they need that heart of the shepherd, that they need really, you can be the Father's heart to that person that feels so far from that love, that affection, that gentleness. I thought, okay, I personally would have gone to carpenters, but it makes sense to me, they go to shepherds, That, that really there's that sense of the Father's heart, that sense of our universal need and that sense of calling, that sense of how God wants to work in this world. Amen. Would you pray with me? Sure. Can we just give a little more space? to the Holy Spirit. What does he want to say to you this morning? What is he saying to you right now? Maybe for some of us, we've never seen God like David did in that Psalm 23. Maybe we've only seen him as that that rule keeper or maybe that harsh, demanding king. Maybe we've not seen him as that shepherd who wants to refresh our souls. I want to suggest that in this Advent season that that's exactly who he wants to be to you right now, right now. Father, some of us are in that place, or perhaps some of us have forgotten that's who you are. Would you come and and fill those places? Father, for for some of us, uh, that idea of voice that you're speaking, that you're inviting, we're struggling to discern your voice. struggling to hear you and we want to. Jesus, would you teach us your voice? Teach us to hear, teach us to discern. We're so thankful, Jesus, that your yoke is gentle, that you're humble at heart, And Father, some of us we confess that we've been distracted, that we've been busy uh, with the things of Christmas rather than recognizing the, the lost hearts, the lonely souls, those who would love. Uh, a tender voice, voice of compassion, a touch, an invitation. Lord, help us to live that calling out as your people. Help us not to be so self centered or even family centered that we miss the other-centeredness that really is at the heart of Christmas. So Jesus, we praise you that you are our good shepherd. Help us to walk with you. In your precious and powerful name we pray. Amen. Can we stand together and respond with a heart of worship? We'll have some prayer, folks, if you'd like to be prayed for in any particular way, have a particular need. They'd love to pray for you. And allow him not just to be your Savior, not just to be your King, but allow him to be your Good Shepherd this Advent season. Would you listen for his voice? Would you long for his gentle touch? Would you allow him to lead you by quiet waters? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, God bless you.